Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can DM us there if you want to be on the show or if you have questions for the entrepreneurs that come on the show. Usually they do multiple parts, so if you have questions, I will bring it to them next time they are on the show and they do their episode. Lastly, you can find this show and all the other shows we do on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. Again, just type in B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, and all four of the shows that we do will pop up there and populate. Again, just to give everyone an update, we have recorded multiple episodes for all those shows. We've just slowly started leaking them out because we couldn't keep up with the feedback as we started releasing them. So we're going to be releasing them again in the fall as now we have a better structure to handle all the feedback. So Thank you, everyone. I appreciate it. I know a lot of podcasts out there don't do very well. I know they they have a lot of struggle and uh, and and are very hard to get off the ground. Believe me, the Justin F. Food Entrepreneurs took five years to get to where it is almost. We're almost five years into this thing. And it does carry the weight for the other ones, but we've launched other podcasts that haven't done well. Okay, And it's just about that consistency. And in the podcast game, anyone who's out there doing podcasts, if you're getting 10 downloads originally per episode, you're doing pretty well. At least you have 10 people following you. Because a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of podcasters out there don't even get 10 per episode. They don't even, they sometimes just get zero. So just keeping that in mind for everyone. I know it's a growing industry. I know more and more people are going into podcasting. It takes a long time to build a podcast brand. And if you're expecting to get rich off of it, or you're expecting to have success in it, success is measured by viewership, impact, influence. Okay. And I know I don't want to say that because this is a food entrepreneur show. We don't go after consumers. I'm not after mass viewership. But what I am saying, viewership is the ability of the viewers to actually interact with the content that's going on here, share it, give positive feedback. So that being said, thank you, everyone. I appreciate everyone always giving comments on the different platforms, all the five stars we've received, all the positive comments on the specific episodes for the entrepreneurs. Please keep doing that. Please do that for all Michael's episodes. And I'm going to introduce Michael Spencer right now from Nash Dogs. We're going to do part four from Nashville. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm good, Justin. Thank you so much for having me on again. Yeah, and I want to tee up the audience. Just um, we like the first three episodes were like we were brothers from another mother. Like we grew up in the same household. We could, Michael and I can talk for hours, even in person. And recently we started to work on Foodopia, which again is the television show that we're working on. Uh, hopefully 18 seasons over 12 years plus a bonus season uh, related to Formula One. But the but the um, but the thing also is is we're doing lots of sub content. We're doing some YouTube TV called Foodopia TV that'll be sub episodes. We're also doing social media reels. We're also doing a podcast called Foodopia that'll start coming out with episodes soon. Uh, that's Stuart, uh, Stephen, and I who are the hosts of that show and the sub content. But in doing so, we've started to work on the pilot episode in Nashville. We brought on Nash Dogs for that pilot to work on the subcontent, the YouTube, and the reels, and tell the story of hot dogs in Nashville because it is a growing business. It is booming, and while New York City has been a pivot pivotal point with Walter's Hot Dogs, as we've discussed on here, and Nathan's Hot Dogs, Nashville has Daddy's Dogs and Nash Dogs and a lot of other... Um, sauce fries which is like sausage hot dogs french fries food truck 
They're also down there. I've tried them. So there's this booming business of hot dogs. And again, guys, for the audience, hot dogs is an industry that has yet to make its way in the world. And it will based on the rising food prices. No different than burgers have done. Fried chicken has done. You have Popeye's, KFC, uh, Zaxby's, uh, Chick-fil-A. They've created a fried chicken industry. We see the burger industry, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's created. We've seen tacos. Okay, there's different tacos. Taco John, Taco Bell, um, all sorts of other different ones that are out there. So there's one in, in Colorado that's really good as well. And the name's skipping me. But the reality is hot dogs are a new industry for all intents and purposes. Even though they've been around, the Italians brought hot dogs and sausages over and the Germans and so on and so forth. Polish, we, we know there's tons of different types of sausage in the world. But hot dogs in particular is, is something that's a comfort food. It goes well on a menu and lots of people eat it. And what we're seeing in Nashville is a huge boom in the hot dog industry. So... Michael is one of those catalysts. Michael's business is growing. And I've spent a lot of time with him over the last two weeks. So I figured, let's have him back on the episode. Let's talk about Michael's story a little bit again. He is a Nashville native. Uh, He was born and raised there. He um, has quite a cool uh, yet difficult past, but it made him who he is. So I just want to tee all that up for Michael as we get into this. So Michael, let's jump right in here, um, and I want to talk about your menu, but first, I want to talk about the most incredible story, which is, and if anyone goes on my social media, it's at Justin Bizarro, again, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, you can go into my, the stories, you know, the ones that are saved, go under Foodtopia TV, you can see this food cart that I'm talking about, our food trailer that Michael's created. But Michael, let's talk about this food trailer again, because I know we talked about it before, but you literally bought a trailer, like a little small landscaping trailer. It's really small. I don't even know the size. And you built an entire business on the back of this trailer. So let's just, let's jump into your story a little bit. And if there's anything I'm missing from your past that you want to talk about leading up to the trailer, let's fill in those blanks. But the microphone's yours. Let's tell the story of sort of how you got to this trailer and how you built it and in details all the things that you've added to this trailer because it's quite impressive. So I appreciate the uh, very cool introduction. Um, I will say that, you know, if for anyone who wants the full um, story on kind of my background and how I got into being an entrepreneur, uh, we talked about it in the first episode quite a bit and we had as you had said before we actually got on the podcast, we were supposed to kind of talk more about the, the construction of the trailer and um, kind of how I got into that. So this time I'm going to try to be pretty concise on my background, spend just a couple of minutes on that, and then I'll kind of deep dive into the, the trailer. So um, long story short, um, born and raised in Nashville, um, I was born in East Nashville. It was kind of one of the poor sides of town growing up. Not really a great side of town. Um, My, uh, my father was murdered um, in East Nashville in 1995. I was three turning four. So we ended up moving across the the Shelby street bridge and uh, which leads into downtown. And uh, we lived in this high rise that was uh, at the time it was, um, 
a high rise that was for it was more of a retirement home for low income folks. My grandma lived there, but it was on the corner of Seventh uh, Avenue and Broadway. Um, we lived on the eighth floor and always had a really cool view of Broadway before, you know, uh, before it was what it is today. So I've always had this feeling inside that, you know, I was meant to be an entrepreneur uh, at a very young age. Uh, I really have yet to find out where that drive comes from. And, but just remember at a very young age, just kind of knowing that, um, I had a different path uh, lined out for me, and um, I wasn't really sure how I was going to get to that other than, you know, just work hard, learn as much as possible, and um, just one day I was hoping that I was going to come into a great opportunity. Um, the, the point was always to kind of outshine the rest of the folks that were uh, wherever I worked, you know, do 10% more, you know, just a little more than the, the guy next to me so that I stand out and could move up. Um, so I, I worked really hard at all of the other places that I invested my time into. Um, the whole, the, the whole time though, just kind of knowing that in the long run that I had a lot more planned for myself. Um, I'm not really the type that likes to, pause for a mouthful. I'm not the type that likes to acquiesce to the demands of another person. You know, I want to do things because I hold wholeheartedly feel them. You know, I don't like to just reluctantly do stuff um, because I have to, right? So working for somebody else, I just felt very limited and capped as um, to what I could actually achieve. Um, it doesn't all boil down to monetary success or how much money that you make but it certainly helps to make a little more money as far as having time freedom for yourself and time freedom for family um but uh um i just felt capped working for someone else and i kept running into you know kind of a, a glass ceiling if you will you know where just kind of get to the end of the road at a place and feel like that you've learned everything that you can learn there. And somewhere along the line, I realized that everything that I had learned was culminating into me um, doing my own thing and starting my own business. Um, at the time, you know, when I was having those thoughts, wasn't super sure how to execute on that or even what type of business to pursue. Um, I try to be very, selective about the things that I do um, because you know once you put time into it it's time that you can't get back so um, I was working at a big box retailer that was my last job um, in the corporate industry you know working for someone else and um, I felt like that I just learned everything that I could and I was making as much money as I was going to be able to make for these people and I wasn't really aligned with a lot of the decisions that they were making for not just the company, but also for me, you know? Um, and I quickly found out that no matter how high you go up in someone else's company, you know, even as a CEO, um, you always, you typically have, you know, a board of directors to answer to. There's someone going to be, that's going to be telling you 
how to operate, what to do, how to think, critiquing and criticizing on how to, to get better or do things different. But very, uh, very often, you know, not willing to uh, listen to things that sound rational. You know, when you're the boots on the ground, you know, you feel like that your opinion should matter um, in an establishment when you're putting your all into it. But I uh, started to feel like that in order for me to really achieve the things that I want, which is a lot more than just monetary success, it's also just the, the you know, being comfortable um, in life, you know, and being able to really put my time and effort fully into the things that I want to do, um, which for me are, you know, I have a, a wife and I have a son and, you know, hold my family, you know, even outside of those two people, you know, I hold my family very near and dear and close to me. And, um, I wanted to dictate my own schedule and kind of align with my priorities the best that I could. So, um, I came across the idea of opening a food truck. Um, so when I was working for this retailer, they asked me to hire a food truck for an event I called a, uh, a food truck and he gave me a quote and told me what he would charge to come out and feed 200 people. And it just kind of clicked, you know, hearing what he was going to profit. I, I then went home and, um, or not what he was going to profit, but what he was going to make, you know, that, that, that was his net. I went home, I did some calculations on what the investment on hot dogs would be, you know, just to serve, it was 200 people that we were looking to serve. So the question is, about how much did I think that he was investing to feed 200 people in terms to make $2,000? Uh, he was going to make $2,000 in three hours. And at that point, I was making about 70000 a year when you consider benefits and the whole nine, you know. Um, but I just kind of looked at it and felt like that no matter how hard that I worked, you know, 70,000, 80,000, 100,000 was going to be my cap for a year. You know, this is, you have someone telling you, no matter how hard you work, this is what you're worth. And this is what you're going to expect to make. Um, and not to sound arrogant, but I know who I am and what I bring to the table. And I'm worth a lot more than $100,000 a year. You know, I've got a very um, forward thinking mind. Also try to be very rational and try to be a team player and do things for, you know, the betterment of the whole set of myself. Um, and just candidly, I think that all of those things in combination are a rarity. So um, it would be a waste of my time, talent and effort to limit myself to the capacity that someone else puts around me. So. I figured out how, you know, I was going to move forward. You know, he was offering a, that the food truck was offering a particular style of product. And um, I knew that I could elevate that concept and still be very profitable. So that was the concept, hot dogs. So then how do we execute it? How do we make it happen? Food trucks are not expensive. Or, um, food trucks are very expensive. Um, you know, they're not cheap, what I meant to say. And then, you know, hot dog stands, just the hot dog stand that comes to mind, you know, when everybody hears hot dog stand, you know, like a stainless steel box on two wheels, 
that you stand next to sits on the side of the road and the guy grabs you a boiled hot dog, throws it in a bun and puts some condiments on it. Um, for me, I wanted to not only elevate the, the experience of the product, but also experience or the, the serving and customer service experience. So the National Dogs trailer um, kind of started to form in my head as far as what I wanted. I wanted this, a countertop that I could serve over, um, you know, instead of standing next to someone on the street. Um, I feel like that it just is a better look. It's, in my opinion, it's a little, it's better customer service. It kind of appears to be that way at least. So I, I started to develop the concept of kind of what I wanted to, to create. And um, I was sitting in the living room with my, my grandpa and a cousin one day and we had this like yellow this yellow piece of paper and like we drew out the the concept that turned out to be Nash dogs um you know just like a, a 3d image of uh of a hot dog stand so once i kind of figured out what i wanted it to how i wanted it to be constructed i um i started researching on youtube on how to actually build a hot dog stand. Um, coming from a little bit of handyman background, you know, I had a general idea of how to do a little bit of the construction myself. Um, I've always been into carpentry and like woodworking, so it wasn't Quick intimidating. Question. Quick Go question ahead. for you. I want to talk, I, wanna, I love the, and I'm going to tack back on this. Did you enjoy hot dogs growing up? Like I did not, you know. You so know, I'm my, just my, curious because you ended up in the hot dog business and we didn't really talk about this before, but it just occurred to me that you're in the hot dog business, but you may not actually be a fan of hot dogs. Um, it, that, I would say that's maybe 50% true. Huh. Um, so my, I would say before I owned a hot dog business, I would have two hot dogs every couple of months, you know, and it was a very like run of the mill roller grill Mapco Exxon hot dog, you know, like not even boiled, just like put on a roller and then um, just heat it up, put in the little steam buns that you grab out of the little drawer at the gas station. And, you know, my idea of a good hot dog was like mustard and raw onions, maybe some nacho cheese, you know, and um, I love that nacho cheese on a hot dog. I don't know why, but I can relate to this a little bit. Oh, it's damn good. You know, I actually have one. I haven't added nacho cheese to the Nash Dogs menu yet just because it's a pain in that butt to um yes. to handle nacho cheese it's all the time. It's a big-ass can you have to deal with, too, usually. Right. And you can only serve so much of it, and you can only heat it, you know, like once, and you got to throw it out. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I do have a hot dog that I want to bring to the menu. It's nacho cheese, raw onion, and mayonnaise. I know it sounds wild. I love love that because that's exactly how I would have my hot dog. I love the raw onions because I'm not a huge fan of relish. But the nacho cheese and I love mayonnaise, so they all went hand in hand. I like this. Yeah, that was a really solid solid dog, and eventually I am going to put it on the menu um, when we have a little more capacity. Um, You know, we are a growing business. And, you know, we we're a lot farther than we were before, but we still have limitations as far as like space and storage and just what we can actually execute on, you know. So um, just to kind of sum everything up, 
went to YouTube, looked up, you know, some videos on how other people were building hot dog stands. Um, I came across a guy named Wayne on there and um, he was just building kind of your run of the mill hot dog stand. I took that concept and kind of converted it into my own, you know, and used some of his ideas and applied them to, to what I was trying to do and tweaked it. So I saved my money. I was still working at this box store at that point. And um, I was looking for a, for a utility trailer. So what, currently what we use is a four by six utility trailer. It has two foot, like a two foot mesh wall that goes all the way around it. And then the top of it, you know, that kind of frames that mesh out. It's just like a steel frame. So, you know, you can go a little more in depth on if you actually want to see what the construction is of it. Um, it's on our website, nashdogs.com. And also at the very bottom of our Instagram page, those are the first couple of pictures that we link or that we posted. But there's actually a step by step um, how to, including, you know, pictures of how to construct your own Nash Dogs trailer. You know, probably should take that down at some point. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I, you know, save my money, paycheck. Just as a paycheck. note, I'm just like, you could go give ahead. people the freaking roadmap to your business and they still won't go do it. I'm just like, people are so lazy and they, most people don't have the ability to start something and finish it or, or come up with an idea and execute it. So I just like that you said that it's been there the whole time. Here's the keys to the kingdom and no one still does it. So, and even you if know, they did it, they're not you. So there's that whole I've, factor. No, I appreciate that. And I've actually had um, over, you know, coming up on almost three years, I've had so many people ask me, how did you build this trailer? And actually, you know, I've helped a couple of people get their own businesses started. Um, I've got a lemonade stand that I helped out. There's two coffee carts that I helped out. Um, but I've told so many people, like, the keys to, you know, the, to, to, to doing this, you know, you can, like, literally just go to Instagram. And it's so funny how many people still follow up and they're like, how did you say to do it? You know, like there's graphics and like step-by-step instructions on there. And um, it's just very, you know, there's a lot of people that are, I won't say that they're all talk, but not, a lot of people are quick to talk about it and not as quick to act. And I understand that for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a very big commitment to pursue a business, let alone like build a hot dog stand intimidating, you know. I think that another part of it is that people don't give themselves enough credit, you know, um, it's not hard to run a soul, you know? Um, so maybe there's some of the fear in there, but, um, anyway, so, you know, I started, uh, saving paycheck to paycheck, uh, you know, I had a materials list and I would just put these materials stacked up in the garage. Um, I paid like 250 bucks for the utility trailer. Um, it was actually something that had been purchased and returned by a customer. And my store manager was just like, you know, get that thing out of here. Sell it for whatever you need to. I don't want to look at it anymore. And I was like, well, can I buy it? So he sold it to me. And then slowly but surely over the next couple of months, I purchased all the materials that I needed. Um, a lot of them, you know, like discounted materials or um, like a coal material. But had a particular budget that I was trying to stay under. So I built the Nash dogs cart for less than $2,000. Um, you know, you could, I could have bought a brand new stainless steel cart for like two to 3000, but when I got 
for my time and my effort was a unique cart that no one else had that no one will ever have, you know, um, if you want to see what the aesthetic of it is, it's on Instagram, Justin, you've seen it, but you know, it's just to kind of give a description of it. It's, um, got this galvanized metal that goes around the perimeter of it. And that galvanized metal is framed out with, um, one by six red cedar fence panels. Um, and you know, there's a stainless steel countertop that I had a local fabrication shop make for me. You know, I drew up the the diagram and kind of told them that what I was looking for, we took the trailer over and he measured it. And, um, that was the one part that I couldn't do was the fabrication of the stainless steel. So he custom created this countertop that we were able to just essentially drop right in, uh, it will drop right on top of the the framework of the of the trailer. So what you got is you got your galvanized metal, some red cedar panels um, for the aesthetic, and then I run off of a blackstone grill, um, you know, that runs off of propane. Uh, the propane is also used to provide um, a source of heat to the the water heater. I have a that's called a tree stand water heater. It's for like camping or for hunting. You know, people take it out to the, to the forest, you know, and uh, it gives them an ability to have a source of hot water. It runs off of propane and a D battery. And uh, when the water flows through, it activates the propane and it heats it up. And then uh, that is what gives my hand sink the hot, cold water that, you know, you need uh, to be able to have a hand sink. It has a crock pot and a little refrigerator. Originally, um, I bought a inverter and I hooked it up to a uh, to a boat battery, a, uh, so a deep cell marine boat battery, which I would have to carry into the house every night and charge up, carry back out, you know, um, the, the next day, and you know that's what I would use to uh, to power the cart. And, um, you know, I've come a long way from that. I remember that used to be like one of the biggest bands of my existence, having to carry that big, heavy battery in and out of the house every day. Um, there's so much, so many other processes now that are on my plate. And we've actually finally upgraded to a, um, a quiet run generator, which gave me the ability to take that boat battery out. But, you know, it's just I remember when I first started, I was so pissed off having to do that battery all the time. And. Now I have like two of the generators that I originally wanted, you know, and um, it's just a testament to the, to the hard work. And that sometimes we have to go through some crap and like put up with um, maybe just getting by with what you have. And, you know, now I have more than enough to run the, the trailer however I want, you know, I have a generator and um, I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but you know, as a, new business owner, you know, it's pretty expensive to go out and fund all of these things when there's not cash flow coming in yet. And then even when the cash flow is coming in, I mean, a, a generator at $700 is not really, um, maybe cheap to some people, but when you're first starting off, I mean, it's a pretty big investment, you know? So long story short, um, that kind of gets us through the, the cart story and kind of how I constructed that. Um, you know, it just to kind of um, summarize everything, I felt underappreciated at the, the place that I was working. 
So I got an idea in my head of how to get out of that and realized that the only person who would ever really appreciate me the way that I want to be appreciated and taken care of is me. And that's okay. Um, I understand that businesses and corporate entities and other people have their own goals that they're trying to achieve. But for me, the biggest goal is um, and my biggest priority is taking care of my family and myself. And if you take care of those two things, you know, things will fall into line. You know, it requires a lot of work, but the money part comes when the other things are addressed, you know, as long as you have good intentions. So um, we, um, I was motivated to build the hot dog stand. I did some research, uh, drew out a concept that kind of, that I liked and applied to what I was trying to achieve on our side. And um, then we just, after saving the money month to month, we put the effort and time into building the trailer. And um, then we had a hot dog stand and um, started, you know, selling hot dogs and three years in and we've got quite the operation going. So that's a, a very high level kind of overview of how we got to the cart. Uh, if you want to go a little more in depth, let me know, but I try to keep it pretty short and sweet. Yeah, I am curious about a lot of things because you talked about like the sink. You've talked about, you know, putting your grill on there. You also have um, a crock pot that you use for your chili. Like, how did you figure out like what items you were going to serve? How did you figure out like how to like lay all this out? How did you figure out what grill to use? How did you figure out how to run the propane? Like, let's sort of dive into like how much research did you do because I you you talked about it a lot in detail normally I'm not like let's go into more detail but I do think it's important for the audience um, and we can dive into the deepness of this based on this is a part four for you and so like let's just really talk about that like how did you come up with these ideas and like it's very well laid out in terms of your body movements in this cart it's almost it's 270 degrees because you have to enter on 90 degrees or one of the sides basically so you don't have shelf space there but talk to me a little bit about like I mean because you thought this out where everything is and you thought about like it raining and all of that stuff so talk to me a little bit about that so the does that make sense yeah, yeah absolutely so um, some of the, the cart was built uh, as a necessity of the products that we were going to be serving, you know, like we knew that we wanted to serve chili. So obviously you need a crock pot. Um, you know, the crock pot that we use, it's just a regular old household crock pot, but I'm sorry, excuse me. The, the crock pot that we use just a regular run of the mill crock pot, but it is countersunk into the countertop. Um, meaning that the only thing that you see like when you're looking at the, the, the working surface is you see a lid of a crock pot opposed to the whole structure of the crock pot sitting on a countertop. So, um, you know, that, that's like one thing, you know, that's how we figured out that we wanted the crock pot as far as the, you know, the Blackstone grill that we used. Um, we always knew that we wanted to have a elevated experience and I'll credit my wife on this one. Um, and more so her mom, but, um, they ate a lot of grilled hot dogs growing up for breakfast, you know, like they would slice the hot dog down the middle, grill it on in a pan or not grill it in a pan, but saute it in a pan, you know, 
And um, it was more of like a of a like a quick breakfast that her mom would would make, and then. I love that actually because I like I love the butterflying of the hot dog and using a little bit of lemon juice and then making them all crispy and like and uh, having that like sort of um, you know just flavor profile. I I can understand eating hot dogs for breakfast. I like weirdly I would probably eat a hot dog twenty four seven just like I eat eggs. I don't know why that is, but I generally like sausage um, and bacon and those type of foods. So hot dogs fit right in there. But um, it's really cool because you have the caramelization that happens by splitting it down the middle. Although you do a really good job of caramelizing your hot dogs as well by giving them the little slashes on them. But we can talk about that when we really dive into your menu. But anyway, yeah, go sure. ahead. So your wife and her family, they grew up grilling hot dogs um, growing up. All right. So um, it's they are uh, – you know, they immigrated to the States and they brought a lot of, you know, their own kind of flavors and ideas with them. Um, when they came over in the nineties, her mom was a professional chef, um, and had a, a very popular restaurant here in Nashville, uh, for a long time. Um, originally was downtown, it was called Shabala's cafe. And, um, and she was featured in the Tennessee and she was on the food network. And there was a show called Eden eats that she was, um, you know, put on and she was like in the Nashville scene and she was just a very big, um, presence in the the Nashville community um in a time when the whole you know the term foodies like Yelp and like Google reviews and all of that it wasn't really a big thing yet but her restaurant was um her restaurant was viral in a time when things were done mostly through print you know um, and word of mouth. So, you know, it went from Shavala's Cafe to, to Cafe Bosna, which is actually, um, you know, she sold Shavala's Open Cafe Bosna. And uh, that was really my first um, kind of experience in working in the restaurant industry. Um, my wife was my girlfriend at that point, and we were high school sweethearts. So we would get off uh, work, or we would get off work, we would get out of school. Yeah, and then we would go to work, you know, and we would work in this restaurant with her mom, who was very above bar on everything, everything made from scratch, like goulash and roulade and, and like, you know, um, chavapi. And um, they, they have, the, they call it like beef pie, but the, you know, the correct term is uh, buddhik, B-U-R-E-K. Um, but any, you know, everything is made from scratch. Um you know, and I would watch her build this stuff and it just really kind of built the idea of like what quality is, you know? So when the hot dog stand came about, um, originally I considered boiling them, but my wife quickly like, you know, no, we should grill them. Um, so honestly I came across the Blackstone grill. It was, it's very, it's a really popular, um, brand now, but I feel like in 2019, like people were just starting to find out, or maybe it was just me that was just finding out about it. But anyways, you know, um, there's really great reviews on Blackstone and, um, I wanted to cook on a flat top. I knew that I wanted to grill the dogs. The reason I did a flat top is because when you put meat on a open grate grill, the fire licks the meat. And not only that, but, you know, it kind of drains the juices out 
you know, into the fire, opposed to when you cook on a flat top, those juices sit there on the surface, you know, and I think it keeps a lot of the moisture and the, <clears throat> the, the flavor, you know, um, in the food, opposed to that food, that, that flavor getting cooked out, you know, um, I like stuff flame grilled, but um, it just made sense. Once I put the hot dogs on the grill and I saw that, you know, you could really kind of take ownership of the quality of the hot dog. Um, you know, with, with fire, it takes a lot of a lot of attention and time to make sure that it's cooking properly. The Blackstone gives you that barrier of, you know, literally like a, a piece of steel or or maybe it's iron. I'm not sure what the what the, the the substrate is that the blackstone is, but either way, you know, it gives you that that barrier between the fire and um, you can really like almost it, it's like kind of like cooking in a cast iron skillet, you know, like there's nothing like it. So that was the idea behind the blackstone. You know, it gave me a flat, solid surface to be able to cook the hot dogs um, and retain the flavor and the juice that you know, that would typically be lost to the fire. And then, um, so that covers, we talked about the crock pot. We talked about the grill. Um, it's got a little small mini fridge, you know, it's maybe waist high. Um, and you know, it, it's enough food in it for maybe 200 servings, you know? Um, and then the, the inside of the cart is just kind of framed out with like shelving. So, you know, you got bun storage in there. And then there's just come some kind of like accessory areas in there where you can just stack stuff up, you know. So that's the, the crock pot, the grill, our, our serving space. The sink was really a pretty big challenge. Um, I did do a lot of research, but at the same time, there's like a lot of um, actually putting things into action to, you know, t to test it if you've never done it. And what I experienced when I first got in is a lot of people were very buttoned up um, and not super friendly on helping someone uh, become competition. Um, so it took me a while to really figure out exactly how to, to get all of the inner workings done, but um, ended up, you know, putting a drop in sink into the, the countertop and uh, it's just plumbed with, a couple of like water tanks. Um, I got a fresh water tank in there, have a gray water tank. It runs off of a water pump, um, which runs off of a 12 volt battery. And it's just got like a thumb switch that you turn it on and off with. So, and those are the basic things that you need, you know, to actually be able to function. I did actually reach out to the health department a couple of times and I worked hand in hand um, with the food service director over there. Um, to make sure that I was actually um, executing and building things in a way that made sense. I knew that I was going to be building with wood, which is a coarse substrate, you know. Um, before we considered a stainless steel countertop to save money, I had actually thought about doing a butcher block countertop. Um, but, you know, with wood, you know, it is exposed to the elements. It's not as long-lasting it also has to be sealed with a food grade sealer and the cart is uncovered. You know, it doesn't have a top, which allows me um, 
to not have to have a hood. So with the Blackstone or with any type of um, cooking that's going to produce grease-laden vapors, if you're enclosed, you have to have a hood to, to vent those vapors. So by cooking uncovered, I found out that I could forego and the, the use of a hood, you know, because the, the vapors just vent. No, they don't vent. They just, you know, burn off, right? So that kind of went into the decision of going the stainless steel countertop um, and also just the longevity and sustainability of stainless steel. You know, it's going to last a lot longer than a butcher block countertop, in my opinion. So um, that's kind of how everything uh, came together as far as the equipment inside of the cart. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm going to cut us into another part here, into part five, um, Michael, just because I think that that was so thorough and we have a lot more to talk about. So everyone stay tuned. We're going to jump into another episode uh, with Michael here into part five, just because I want to leave everyone with that food trailer, everyone. like That's a really solid episode here on Michael's story. But two, on if you want to get started, you don't need to go buy an expensive trailer. You can do pop-ups. You can use utility trailers. You can figure out ways to build your own system. Um, and, and as we close off this this episode, Michael, and get ready for the next part uh, here, what inspired you to keep going with this cart? Because a lot of people would have probably quit or gotten frustrated. It took you a long time to build it. It took you a long time to launch it. I think it sat in your garage for like nine months before your wife said, you know, Michael, what the fuck are you doing with this thing in our garage? And right. so I, I want to anchor this, the end of this, this particular episode with what kept you going because obviously you ran into hardship and two, like why, why did you not start it right away? And, and why did you need that push from your wife? And then lastly, I'm just going to give a commentary. I think it's hugely important that you worked with the health inspectors. Like most people don't do that and they end up failing at the beginning because they can't get the thing off the ground or get the business started because they haven't considered what the local health inspector wants. So right. you, you need to do that. You can't just research it on the internet. You need to build a relationship and you need to have a conversation. So let's go back to the questions and what kept you going through this process? Because it took a few months and obviously a lot of research. And then two, why did it sit so long before you started it then once you had the trailer built? So, um, at the expense of sounding a little cliche, uh, I'll say what kept me going was that I had a why and a purpose. And I had a why and a purpose before I knew that you should have one. You know, now I feel like that with a lot of, there's a lot of mindset talk, especially like in podcasts. And, you know, I feel like that we're in an age of enlightenment, you know, and, we're, we're all been telling like find your why like what is your purpose you know and once you find that you know it, it becomes a lot easier to, to to stay motivated and to, to execute on the things that you have you know uh, set goals on my goal coming out of working for someone else was to to really for lack of better wording like put my money where my mouth is you know um, I knew that I wanted to get out of the environment to be able to not only take care of like my family, but also to give myself more time freedom. Um, and 
at the beginning of the call, I told you, and I've always known from a very young age that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I, I'm not sure where that drive comes from or like where I, um, even I think that I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur before I knew what the hell an entrepreneur was. You know, I, I've always wanted to do my own thing. Um, not just like run my own business, but really like carve my own path, you know? So when I finally saw the, the opportunity to chase that dream, I mean, I was after it like a rabid dog. So somewhere along the line, I realized because someone said, well, what is your why? Like, find your why. And it was really easy for me to just be like, well, I don't need to find it. I already have it. But now I can define it. Now I understand what's been pushing me, what's been motivating me. And now that I have the understanding of that, I'm actually able to harness it and use it on, on the days when I don't, I mean, I'm just going to say it like it is on the days that I don't feel like fucking with this shit. And I don't, and I don't want to, to go like, honestly, today, when I woke up, um, j just to tell you like how real it is, like today, I did not want to go sell hot dogs. I went to a, a hospital today and, um, I, I woke up this yesterday. I had told myself that tomorrow you got a day off because I looked at my calendar wrong, you know, and I had went through all day yesterday, like working super hard and was really looking forward to a morning off, you know, because I haven't had one in a while. And I was going to like sleep in and like have some coffee and just chill, you know. But um, last night before I went to bed, I looked at my schedule and I was like, oh, man, awesome. Like we scheduled an event and I did not even acknowledge the fact that I had an event, you know. So this morning I woke up and I don't cancel events. You know, if I commit, I'm there. But you know, I, I won't, I'm not going to lie to you and like pull your leg and tell you that I don't have the thoughts, you know, sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to do this today, you know, and if I don't want to, I don't have to, but that's what I'm talking about. That's the autonomy. That's the time freedom that I have. I no longer have to acquiesce to the demands of another person. I do stuff because I want to, you know, and if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. And that, that, that is the driving force behind it. But you know, so just to kind of finish that up, you know, I went out today and um, we sold out and less than like in less than an hour. The, the shift was scheduled 11 to two. Um, and I've been to this place before and I haven't sold out before. So I brought more product than I typically bring. And um, I sold out in less time than I'm typically there. So that just kind of goes to show you, like, if you put forth the work and, and bust your ass, like, the hard work will be rewarded on the backside. So um, it was actually a really uh, satisfying day because I woke up really not feeling it, but I had my why, I had my reason, and I, I got my ass in my truck, and I went and ran the event and, uh, you know, benefited because of it. You know, if I hadn't have went out today, you know, we would be, um, you know, a, a lot of sales, um, th there would have been a lot of sales that we would have missed out on, you know? So to answer your question, um, you know, and I hope it doesn't sound too cliche, but you know, what, what kept me going and what got me going was finding my why, having a purpose, a rhyme to the reason. Um, and for me, you know, I felt that long before I knew that I should have a why, 
Um, and that, that's just, that kind of goes to show um, how tangible, you know, emotions can be and how motivating they can, they can actually be, you know, they'll, you know, motivate you to do things before you even know why you want to do them. And luckily for me, I was already in the middle of doing all of this stuff and I found out what my purpose was and what, what my why was. So I didn't really need to pivot. Um, I was already doing what I needed to do. That may not be the same. That may not be the case for everyone, you know, but I, I really try to do things in a way that are aligned with my priorities anyways, which is my family, my personal time and and money. And I did know what my priorities were. I just didn't know that they were the, the reason and the, you know, the, the purpose behind everything a hundred percent at that time. So that answers question number one. Okay. So regarding uh, question number two, which was why I let the hot dog stand sit in the garage so long after I built it. Um, so to kind of start from uh, the beginning of the, the end at my employer, I, I left there in December of 2019 with the goal of being operational in my own business by March of 2020. So March of 2020 is um, when the, was when COVID shut down the world, you know? Um, so it really wasn't a great time to, well, it seemed like at the time it wasn't a, the best time to start a, a, a food business, you know, it was a lot of uh, uncertainty at that time. Um, you know, like people didn't even want to be in the same room with you, let alone like let you cook their food, you know, like people were sanitizing their grocery bags. Right. So, uh, it just, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to go try to, to run a business when I, uh, so at the time when I, when, when I left that big box store, I started working as a handyman just to kind of pay the bills. And actually while waiting for the opportunity to be right for Nash Dogs, I built a whole handyman business. Um, and I was booked out like weeks out, you know, going around Nashville doing like little tedious tasks, like painting rooms, mounting TVs, just whatever I could do to earn money for the week. Um, so I had really cool handyman business and um, it got me through till December till December of 2020, um, which at that point we had had the hot dog stand sitting in the garage since March and my wife, it's always funny. I always say it this way, but you know, she was like, so like, what the hell are you going to do with that hot dog stand that's out in the garage? Like, are you going to use that or, or not? So I'd put a lot of time and effort into it and, I'm definitely the type of person that will run my mouth in front of a crowd um, about what my plans are because I am a, I, I feel like that once I speak on something that I then need to go execute on it, execute on it because um, not that anyone else determines my worth, but you know, I'm a man of my word. And if I say something's going to be done, consider it done. And to be honest with you in that, span from you know december of 2019 uh, to december of 2020 I, I would still actually go into this box store i had friends in there and uh, you know it's still i was working as a handyman so 
Um, I would need materials from there for other projects. And people would text me and just kind of like prod me, like poke and prod, like, hey, what about the hot dog stand? You know, just kind of like picking with me. Like, you said you were going to do this. And obviously you haven't done it. You know, like what happened with that? You, you were so much talk a couple of months ago. Like what happened with that? You know, so maybe a little bit of ego and pride were, was involved in it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I put a lot of time, effort, research, energy into building this thing. And you know, she had a great point. Like, are you going to use it or are you going to let it sit there? So we started um, looking for events and we got out and did our first event at this a little pop-up called Hadley Park. It was like a back to, or it was um, some type of community event. And we went out there for the first time and I made $500 that day, which was almost double what I would have been making as assistant store manager um, at, the, at this retailer. And it, that's when it clicked. I was like, holy crap, you know, I've been, I did that. I worked as a handyman and, you know, I made like $500 in three hours. Um, and, you know, so anyways, that was the catalyst that kind of got me going. You know, I really, for the first time, saw the potential of what it was that I had created. And after that, I mean, it, it was just a, a matter of um, really busting my ass and putting forth the effort that um, I've been putting into other things and executing on what it is that I told myself that I was going to do, which was really aligning of my priorities and um, putting my family in a position to, to succeed and giving me the autonomy to make my own choices and do my own thing. Um, so that is question one and two. And honestly, I can't remember what question number three was. Yeah, no question number three. It was just a statement that I think it was great that you worked with the uh, local uh, health inspector and you did that in advance and didn't so much reactionary, meaning you built the trailer and then now you're reacting to what they say you actually built a relationship with him so and i do want to talk about this as we get into part five um but michael i just want to quick thank you for this episode i know we're going back to back in recording but i really appreciate your time to uh really dive into the food trailer because like i said before i think the story matters for those who are out there if you can't have the dedication to build your business at the beginning and bootstrap it along you're generally not going to be a successful entrepreneur. You've got to have the skill set. You've got to have the support system. You've got to have the um, determination and the discipline and the consistency to execute at the very beginning, or it's never going to be there. Particularly also a support system. You talked about his wife and her family with the hot dogs. I love that, Michael. And you talked about your wife giving you the freaking boot up your ass that's like what is this thing doing collecting cobwebs in our garage like you're going to do something with this that is a good support system holding you accountable and so we're going to dive into this more in the next episode so everyone thank you for listening please share this episode please follow nash dogs it's worth following we're going to hear a lot about his growth during the next episode maybe even two more episodes we'll probably have to schedule another time just because michael is an exceptional teacher okay He's an exceptional teacher also. It's one of his core values. It's one of his superpowers, okay? He's an educator of the world around him through his experience and his exposure to the world. So that's why we're giving so much time on this show to him because his journey is quite incredible. 
Many people can relate to it. Many people have their struggles, but I just were really emphasizing this because Michael's uh, trajectory and what I believe his business model is will create a hot dog fast food quick service industry across the globe, just like Walter's Hot Dogs. That's why I spent so much time on this podcast with both of those individuals because I believe both of them together, while they might look like competitors, they are not. They do their business differently. They do their hot dogs differently. One has a hundred years of tradition. One's more modern in tradition. And so like these things matter and you need competitors, quote unquote, friendly competitors, as we talk about at the very beginning of this podcast, episode number 33, before I split off into the Centurion Leadership Battalion, episode 33, I talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Okay, if anyone wants to go back to the beginning, back in 2019, episode 33, healthy competition makes both of you better. It also builds an industry. Look what Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo did respectively when they were at Barcelona and Real Madrid. Look at how much soccer grew across the world as a result of them being such fierce competitors in the same leagues. Okay, not only in the Spanish Liga, but also in the UEFA Cup and the UEFA League, and then on an international basis for Argentina and Portugal. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about here. Yet they're friendly rivals. They can sit next to each other. They don't despise each other. They want to win and maybe even beat each other in competition. But at the end of the day, they both understand that they were building an industry. And the better the other one did also, the better they would do. And that's what I'm talking about here. So, Michael, thank you again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And please share these episodes if you get value out of them, if you believe that it's helping you, if you're an entrepreneur listening in and you get good value, please leave a comment, give it five stars, share this, share Michael's story. And if you know people that are going to Nashville, go and have them try or tell them to try Nash Dogs, as well as a lot of the other food entrepreneurs that are on the show, but go try it. It will blow your mind. So Michael, thank you again. I appreciate you. You can find Michael at Nash Dogs on Instagram. And we'll get more into those details and NashDogs.com, I believe. I believe you own that as well. Is that correct? That's right. And so you can find him there. You can see his locations there. And just so anyone knows, we're going to get into this in the next episode. You're going to be able to find Michael downtown on Broadway soon. And it's not going to be along with all the other hot dog carts. Okay? So I'm going to anchor that. That shows a level above. That's a level above whatever, doesn't matter how many locations, doesn't matter how much people want to invest in you. Michael's doing this all on his own, investing in himself, and the results are a crown jewel that's coming up. The winning trophy, even though he'll, he's, you know, I don't want to blow up his head or, or blow up his ego, you know, inflate it too much is what I mean by blow up, not destroy. But what I mean by blowing up, like pump it up, in and I'm not blow up as in destroy again just to emphasize that is that he's worked hard over three years by bootstrapping this business together and it started with the food trailer that we talked about on this show so thank you everyone for listening in you can find us on Instagram at just the food entrepreneurs you can find this show and all the other shows we do uh, on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts stay tuned for part five we're gonna go right into it recording so you guys will hear it in two days thank you everyone I love you and we're out